Hello and welcome to Personalized Learning with Matt and Courtney. My name is Matt. I'm Courtney. We talk about the do-do's and don't-do's. Of personalized learning. Yes, we do. And today we have a special episode because it's a mailbag. Mailbag, yeah. So you've already been through a trimester. Congratulations. Your report cards, your progress reports are coming out. We'll be, we will not be mailing them. So I hope you still have your login and uh, password for <laughs> the learning, learning management system. Yeah, so in between. Oh, and hey, how about that Jenny Donahue interview? That was outstanding, wasn't it? So good. I we hope everyone have, listened to it like 10 times because I know I have. Oh, we wrapped up that series pretty nicely and she just nailed every single piece of it, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, she wrote the book. So I guess that's a good idea. <laughs> good point. She, but, wrote, she wrote it. Yeah, it's it's totally worth that listening to all of those again sometime. Uh, yeah. And and Jenny just put it all together for us. It was it was fantastic. And thank you, Jenny, very much for that. Thank you so much. So we have a little bit of a break here before uh, we dive into trimester two, which is going to be all about um, critical thinking and innovation and kind of how that what that could look like, might look like, should look like. Um, we'll be having a bunch of different interviews with some really fantastic people. I gotta say, P Learning is up in their game this year, Mache. Yes, we are, aren't we, Courtney Willowen? We certainly are. It's it's uh, it's been a good year so far, and uh, trimester two is just gonna take it a, to a new level, I think. Right. Of course, we don't know what's happening trimester three, but no. but that's that's how it goes, right? <laughs> that's Who knows okay. What's planned for trimester three. We will figure it out as we go. <laughs> Depending on how many snow days we might, might have, that trimester three might last forever. That is oh, very no. true. That anyway, is very true. So we have we have a mailbag episode today, or a parking lot episode, if you will. Uh, we've got some questions up there that we are going to get around to answering. So the first one, we have uh, four questions today from mm-hmm. our listeners, and I'm going to start with the first one. And this one is titled, Resources Too Advanced Without Close Scaffolding. Hmm. Interesting. So here is uh, the message. Hi, Matt and Courtney and friends. Thank you for your inspiring podcasts. Question. (laughs) Question. (laughs) Question. White shrewd style. Question. (laughs) All the resources I find for my learners in fourth grade seem to be at least slightly too advanced for them to be able to dive into either independently or in small groups without immediate scaffolding and attention by me. Mm. I'd like to release the students into learning groups where each group can tackle a new concept and learn together through discussion and exploration, but I am not confident that they will be able to actually comprehend the resources, readings, videos, etc., that are provided for them. Many of them are coming with near zero exposure to scientific concepts, and are also still learning to read rather than reading to learn. So I am tempted to move through the concepts together as a class so I can be right there with them discussing and asking probing questions for comprehension. TLDR, not satisfied with my resources applied in a personalized environment. Thank you. What does TLDR mean? Too long, didn't read. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Oh, it's totally fine. That's what happens when you try to explain the situation to like get your question across. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, what do you think about this question? Yeah. 
Great. This is an awesome question. I think there's so many people out there probably struggling with this very thing. Um, my initial reaction to it is that um, maybe try, I, I have lots of reactions, but I think the first most important one to think about is that they don't need to be learning the new content on their own or in independent small groups, like in that personalized learning type of way. Like maybe um, you can introduce the concept in a mini lesson or in a, you know, a shorter experience with the whole class, introduce the concepts, the vocabulary, the, the important background information, right? Um, and then the next portion of class or the next day are more choice activities with texts or resources that essentially say the same thing, right? Just maybe a little easier, maybe a little harder, or maybe it's also practice, right? More like the comprehension question type stuff so that they don't have to learn it on their own. I don't think that's the intention of personalized learning is that the learners learn it all on their own. Right, so when we've talked about something like learning menus in the past, right. Uh, that learners have choice on some of those input resources. And right. Some of those input resources are always going to be the teacher. Right. Uh, like you just said about mini lessons, that there's always a way that the teacher can get across the content, but the idea behind a learning menu is that they're not the only way to do it. Right. Now, right. I, right. Okay. So one of the things that I that I'm seeing in this uh, in this message is that this person seems to be a little bit hesitant to actually use some of those resources, if I'm understanding this correctly, because they think uh, they're over the head for their, for their fourth graders. Right, yeah, yeah, probably, um, I'm guessing maybe there's a high, um, whether it's special ed or um, the reading levels of text she's finding are just higher than her, for, higher than what most of her learners need. Um, there's something around the ability for the learners to access the resources that she seems to be providing. But it seems to me, it seems like it's a little bit more of like text resources. Yeah. They are visual yeah. resources. Right. Um, visual resources seem to be, uh, to me, to be okay with this one, that they don't need to be able to read in order to comprehend some of the, the, the visual lessons or right. the mini lessons with the teacher you can still get across the content and practice that in a way that doesn't require text. Mm -hmm. So maybe that is one of the ways um, that this teacher can go through some of those resources uh, is really de-emphasize the readings that are provided. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause I'm looking at, you know, this is clearly a science, uh, a science unit and resources are provided. Uh, so there's probably kits involved. And maybe, maybe not necessarily books, but definitely some type of kit. So I would, I would definitely de-emphasize some of those books and readings. And tr the teacher yeah. can provide that information in more of a, a personal way, uh, whether it's the whole group or the small group, That's as you said before. But really de-emphasizing some of the reading ones and emphasizing what the kids can do rather than what they can't do. Yeah, I think that's great. That's a nice way to do it. So the way that the teacher may actually set that up is to, to kind of do the schedule thing, right? So you have an hour long class and you say like, you know, at let's say it's from 10 to 11, at 
that's probably not the case, but for the sake of argument and explanation. So, all right, class at 10.15 and then again at 10.40, I'm giving these many lessons on this particular topic. You know, the other things you have to be working on are X, Y, and Z. Your choice, you come to either one. That's one way to do it. That's a lot of choice on the learners. Other ways to do it are to schedule, to say, at this time, this group of kids is coming to the mini lesson. At the other time, this group of kids is coming to the mini lesson. During the rest of the time, you have choice, right? So there's, and then it, it can go from there. You might have only three choices. It might be like two rotations, you know, like mini lesson, video, um, hands-on experience. Choose one, right? You have to do the mini lesson today, but the other two are up to you. Um, there's lots of different ways to start structuring it. I think. Um, another thought I had about a way to go with this, because it, there is value in bringing the reading strategies in, right? So you could, um, this will take longer, but if you want to also be building the reading skills along with the science skills, um, choose only one or two skills that you're going to focus on, right? So let's say it's identifying important details, right? So you show them in a mini lesson, like this might be two days, do a mini lesson, introducing the content, right, blah, 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 read something together. The next day, go back, modeling with that same text, model different strategies for pulling out the important ideas. Then when you send them off, whether they're watching a video, whether they're listening to something, whether they're reading something, they have to practice that strategy, right? So then at the end of class, you get everyone back together and you kind of say, all right, what did you learn? What were the important things you pulled out? How did, how did that go? How did you do it? Um, so I, I, so like I kind of talked about a few things there, but one, like bring the strategies in, model it, then expect them to use it regardless of what resource they have. A second thing I touched on is I talk about this a lot. The idea I'm going to make hand motions here. Sorry, you all can't say it. They're like the together apart, together apart, together apart, personalized learning, isn't all separate right there should be times where the class is coming together and especially if the group is all learning the same topic that's a fantastic place to come back together and have some of those questions that you might have wanted to be like prompting them with in a small group have them for the end of class what did you learn have a group discussion about it or some other process for recording the information for the whole class um, so that Learners do get to hear from each other and they do get to say like, oh, I didn't get that, but that person did. So finding ways to, to bring the learning back to whole and then to individual and then back to whole can also help. The other thing I want to say <clears throat> is that it's really hard to find appropriate resources, especially for science. Even in a regular traditional school setting, the textbook is usually two or three reading levels above what the learners can actually access. Yeah. So that's hard. So one thing I like to do is to think of the texts as supplements rather than where the learning comes from. Mm -hmm. like find a couple quality passages or quality texts that you can read multiple times and then just get like a ton of high interest picture books or graphic novels or things related to the topic that they can they can access on their own um, and expect them to to look at things multiple times don't expect it to be a one and done i think i think those are some ideas for how you might might help this there are some places online where you can go and it will change the reading level of a text for you 
um, or we'll have multiple. Sometimes it's like you have to purchase it, but uh, get, there are resources out there that will do that kind of text work for you. But I think it's, it's more about being intentional in your instruction. I think one of the ideas that people tend to forget might be using the librarian as a resource. Oh, yeah to find some of those texts because I'm, as you were talking, I'm imagining a teacher saying, well, that, that sounds awesome, but I, you know, I don't have the, the budget nor the supply money to buy all those high quality texts for these things. They probably already exist in your library mm -hmm. and you've got a librarian that can help support the reading level and find out where those kids are and find appropriate resources and partnering up with somebody else in the school. You're doing yeah. it, and now you're showing the value of collaboration. Yeah. And you've already talked about reflection and all the things we we talked about as as being super important. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of modeling strategies uh, that you've talked about right there. Yeah, and even your public library. There are so many public libraries here in Maine that let teachers take out like 20, 40 books at a time. Like they get it. People yeah. Don't. All you got to do is ask. That's right. All you got to do is ask if you're if you're unsure. Uh, my local library uh, in my new district here has come to our schools and said the same thing. It says all you got to do is talk to us, and yeah. you can pretty much do anything you need to do, and right. we're here to help. Exactly. So, which is fantastic, and our yeah. teachers definitely yeah. take take advantage of it. Right. Uh, you know, there's limited resources in schools these days, so as many many places as many things as we can do um, would be lovely. Okay, I think we TLDR'd that one. As we knew we would. <laughs> As we always seem to do. We, we have plenty to say about these things. <laughs> All right, so let's, uh, let's, how about you read the next question? All right, so the next question, tracking evidence. I am just revisiting season four, episode 13, proficiency breakdown. That was a good episode. Uh, the questions you raise and answer are so important. I wonder if you have any preferred resources for tracking the evidence that you would be willing to share. This is from Jenny in new, at the New Liberty Innovation School in Salem, Massachusetts. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. I actually looked up this school to see what it was. Yeah. The, the Innovation School sounded really interesting. Uh, they are, have a competency-based curriculum model Nice. That enables students to complete required coursework at their own pace. Hey! I know, it's in Massachusetts. And the, the best part about this, uh, which is not school related, but yeah. up in the yeah. corner where it says Salem, their motto is still making history. That's <laughs> which <laughs> I thought was awesome. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's a great tagline for Salem, Massachusetts. It We're was so good. Still making history. Still making history. Uh, so... So Jenny is in a school that is clearly ahead of the game and thinking differently already. Right. Uh, I couldn't find any resources on their webpage for what they're actually doing right now, how to track. Yeah. Uh, so my assumption is this is this looks like a new school yeah. and they're trying to figure things out and what's working for the learners and, and what doesn't work for the learners and the teachers. Right. right. Um, so I love the question. And I get this question a lot, uh, and it's not necessarily about uh, buying a program that everybody has to do, uh, because again, we've talked about all the time, it's not about the programs, it's about the learning. And one of my suggestions is, is really, really basic, and this will kind of lead into the next question that we talk about, is 
identifying what your competencies are or your targets or your standards or whatever you call them in your particular school and then gather evidence and you can track them and it's something as simple as a spreadsheet. I knew you were going to say spreadsheet. I always, well, <laughs> math teacher coming right out. It's, it could be an Excel sheet. It could be yeah. a Google sheet. It could be anything. Oh, but it could I, be boxes on a sheet of paper with a handwritten title of the target. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, if the idea is gathering evidence towards specific learning outcomes and you're gathering evidence for those kids, you can track it in binders. Yeah, you can. And as long as those binders are open to the kids also and the parents so they know where they are would be, you know, that's one of my things, I, I think, is, is keeping that all open and not a hidden grade book. But something is, as simple as, as paper, right. as long as it's organized, uh, and then a spreadsheet, and then there are plenty of potential learning management systems that are out there that will help you do that in a more digital, formal way. But right. you don't need to do that. No, you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if this, like, if it, so that episode, we really kind of talked about, um, like the moving from teacher to teacher, right? So if you're really kind of thinking about that aspect of it, then really the, the most simple tool you need is a spreadsheet or a chart of some kind with, you know, you, you picture one page for each domain, each learning area, it has the progression of the targets for each measurement topic. Like that's one page written across the top, his names down on the left with check marks of who, who met and who didn't. Like that's mm -hmm. all you need to pass on. Um, that's the basic. And then from there, you know, you would want the, the backup information, right? Somewhere, but chances are you have it. So that's where like the binders for each individual kid might come in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like you said, there are programs out there. Um, we can list them. I, you know, no one's given us money. Maybe they should, but right now no one's given us money, <laughs> but we can list some of the programs we've seen and used, um, that are out there. They all have pros and cons. Um, should we do that? Is that, well, let's, let's hold off and see if we get more. <laughs> I, I don't want to miss anyone. Okay. Uh, since we're doing this, but but I, I think your your emphasis of pros and cons is a good one because uh, we uh, we worked in a, a district that looked at all kinds of them. Uh, and, right, and I worked in a district before that district that looked at all kinds of them. Exactly, so, and there are more coming out every day because there's a demand for them. Um, and my advice is, you're never going to find the one that is a hundred percent what you want. Yeah, you have to make compromises. So. Think about the compromises you're making, and one of the compromises I would I will never go back on is it's about gathering evidence towards learning targets or competencies or standards or whatever it is. Right. If you can track where kids are, and kids can track where they are from grade to grade, then that is a must-have. Right. So one of my must-haves, we can do this, right? Oh, one nice. of my okay. must-haves is there has to be what one might call like a master tracker <laughs> where um, I, I as, as the teacher need to be able to see the entire K-12 progression of learning and see where any student is on that progression of learning. Um, so if I teach social fifth, I need to be able to dip back and see social four, social third, social second. Mm -hmm. I need access to all of it. It can't be sectioned out, partitioned by grade level and only seeing what someone has deemed to be the fifth grade 
targets. Right. And I think that's a good point because you just said how someone deems it. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't be private. Right. It shouldn't be uh, one teacher has one set of standards and a different teacher has a different set. Right. Because then it's not about the learning at that point. Then it's about the teacher. Right. And if we're talking about learning outcomes and how to improve those, which I think nobody would go against, we all want our kids to do better. So let's set up systems that actually do that better. And one of them is taking those barriers down from grade to grade. You can still have grade level targets. Sure. You can, but they need to be, well. <laughs> I'm not going to agree with yeah. you, but you can it's, do it. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a step towards the right way. Yeah. But if I'm a fourth grade teacher and I don't know what they taught in third grade, I just have a general sense of how they came in. How is that helping anyone, including yourself as a teacher? It isn't. Because Likewise with what would come next year. Exactly. So why not share? Why not keep that right open? Yeah. And if you're in a school that is super traditional, then it's a step towards opening some of those barriers. I think this kind of leads into our next question that you Yeah, asking. what's the next question, Matt? Well, uh, am I asking this one or are you? I can ask it. All right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you ask this one. I'll ask the last one. All right. I'm in a district that is just starting to talk about learning progressions. My favorite. We don't have much to start with. Where is an appropriate place to begin? Uh, buying something is not an option. Okay. Well, That's fair. Yeah. You know, buying something seems to be like a stopgap measure for, for teachers that, that, that I've talked to or district can you, people. Can you buy it? I guess, uh, I guess there are some things you could buy that come with learning progressions. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, yeah. I know that there, there are some, some people out there that are trying to sell progressions, maybe for like one subject area in particular, but a whole series, whether it's a, like a program, um, you can really talk about progressions in there. It's limited, like you said before, when I mentioned grade level targets and you kind of gave me the, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> but they're, they're out there that they could flow if they're open and there's somebody there enough. But I'm going with this one that we need to figure it out ourselves. Where do we start? Uh, so one of my suggestions would be uh, along the lines of our last question is why don't you expose what you are doing? It, to, to like your school. Like, this is what I teach with math. And this is what I teach with social studies. And this is what I teach with science and put it all out there yeah. trying to figure out how does this flow? Are we repeating the dinosaur unit five years in a row? <laughs> uh, and really just put it out there. Yeah. And uh, I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing how scary that could potentially be. Oh, 100%. So we, I think we'd have to agree beforehand that this is something we want to do. Yeah. And yeah. we need to make this better because things aren't as good as we think they are. Right. Um, so, so one, oh, go ahead. Um, so, yeah. So it is, I want to say, um, so one, one person to look up, Fritz Mosher, M-O-S-H-E-R from CPRE. He uh, is kind of like the grandfather of learning progressions. And he talks about how um, when you, 
putting teachers, if you don't have one, like you haven't been given one or bought one that's like research based and you know, like high quality, whatever. Like the next best thing is to put teachers in a room that span K through 12 and have them hash it out themselves. Right. So that's what you're talking about. So you're saying step one is lay out what is it you are teaching, like the content, the topics. I'm gonna say step two is then after you've done that, also write out why, what's the point? What are the actual, we call them learning targets, right? But what are the objectives of those different units? Then from there, you already have a start at a learning progression. Then it just becomes kind of like the shifting around, right? Are we doing the dinosaur six times? Is it the same thing six times or is it six different things? Right. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I think that it would be a great place to start because it would bring up conversations for one. And it's a way that you can get halfway there without doing a whole lot of work other than showing what you're already doing. Yeah. And if you're already doing it, it becomes less scary than something trying to be forced upon you. Right. Um, like maybe somebody came in or a new district administration comes in or something and has their own ideas and pushes something when they're not ready. Right. Uh, let's find out what we are doing. And then you can see all the flaws and the holes and all the good things that you're already doing. Yeah. And saying, okay, well, this is okay. How do I make this better now? Um, so I think you've got all kinds of options if you just uh, have those hard, admittedly hard conversations, but I think they'd be more useful than anyone thinks. Yeah, the, I agree. Yeah, it, it's hard work. Um, the other thing I want to throw out there is that there are lots of free professions out there already, whether yep. you know them, like them, however you feel about them. The Common Core is written as a progression. Yep. Um, the, the Next Generation Science Standards progressions, um, the, the Social Studies Standards progressions, mm -hmm. like a lot of the, the, this idea of a learning progression is not new. A lot of the standards that are out there already are already in some form of a progression. Is there a redundancy? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, is there, are they sometimes unclear? Uh-huh, um, but they're out there and it is another resource to go to, to compare what you're doing to, so. I think that's, that's a good way to end that question is compare what you're doing to the ones that are already out there. Yeah. Uh, all the states already have these, I, I would say, and just trying to figure out what works for your school or for your district makes perfect sense, but you all have to be in on it. Yeah. All right, let's go to our last question. I'll read this one for you. All right. Uh, it's titled, Choosing Wisely. Aha. Well, let's hope. So I started offering choice for student learning. I gave different options for types of texts, videos, and practice resources that ranged in ability levels but I don't think the learners made good choices. Most seemed to choose levels that didn't match their ability. Yep, I've seen that. Even for the easy stuff. Yep. Yep. <laughs> How do I offer choice and ensure that learners choose the right level? It's a great question. That's awesome. <laughs> kids are always gonna choose things that are easy for them. They're kids. The path of least resistance, everyone is. <laughs> I was gonna say, I would do the same thing. You're gonna be choice, I'm doing the easy one. Yeah, this is where we have to get crafty as yeah. teachers. Agreed. Um, 
Yeah. So, so first off, I want to say if choice is new to your learners, then this is totally fine. <laughs> like, because understanding how to manage choice is its own set of skills that they do need to learn. Um, so if this is the first time they're doing it, let it be. It's fine. Okay. So I want to stop you right there because that kind of relates back to our first question about the resources not matching up and, yes. and being afraid to uh, allow them to have those resources and they won't be able to comprehend them. Yes. You, you, we, we, we talk about when, when we talk about learning menus and we've had those podcasts and talking about learning menus that we can't introduce multiple things at the same time. Yeah. New concepts. And if a new concept is choice, as it is in this case, they're not going to know what to do right. unless you do it with something they already know. So that might be a good way to, to immediately slide into that. Yeah. Uh, it got me thinking about the science things. And, and I, I knew this question was coming up, so I thought I'd offer it up right now. Oh. So I did. Awesome. Well, yeah, right? Like, so, okay, let's go with the dinosaurs, right? Like, so if this yeah. happens to be the third time that this group of learners in their education career is learning about dinosaurs, but they've never had choice before, who cares? Let them do the easy stuff. Get, get them to figure out choice and managing their own learning. Perfect. Once you're beyond that, once you feel like they have better choice management skills, like time management, all of that executive functioning, here are some thoughts. One thought is to use something like a learning menu where it's very clear what activities tie up with what parts of the learning, where the learners are tracking their learning also, so they see in front of them where they are and you see where they are. Right, it kind of like takes the mystery out. Like it's very clear what choice they're supposed to be making. Another way to go about it, this is something I have done in the past with adults and with learners, is I use kind of like a rating system. Um, I am a fan of smiley faces, and I've got a sad smiley face, a neutral smiley face, um, a thinking smiley face, and like a rock star smiley face, like whatever, like it, you know, denotes different levels of understand of comfort with a topic, right? Mm -hmm. And then so for all the choices, I, I put a rating on them. Okay. And then I would say something to the learners, like, you know, that um, if you feel like you are confident in this skill, or if you are at this certain point in your learning, you need to take you know, you need to go with either the smiley face or the rock star. If you're, if you think you're here or if you've just started, like make it very clear what the parameters are for who should choose each kind. And also it's totally fair for you as a teacher to shepherd kids into choices. Right. Right. And I think that's, we always talk about you're the adult in the room. You're the adult. That's right. You are the manager of the learning or the facilitator of the learning. Yep. If you see a trend that a kid is only ever doing videos and you know that they can handle read a reading or something different, you can pull them aside and have that conversation with them. Mm -hmm. Do it. Yeah. Do it. That's good advice. Do it. Uh, something else you might do, like you might do like, you know, easy, medium, hard. And, or I, I don't know that I would do that actually now that I'm saying it aloud, but like you can put other ratings on, you can tell them what kinds of choices to make. You can say you need to do two readings in one video. You need to do like a pink colored text, a blue colored text, and then this, or two pinks and a yellow. Like 
You can code things any way you want and you can tell learners what their choices have to be and you can tell individual learners what they should be doing if they show a history of not being able to make good choices. I think that's a, that's a fair point that alleviates some of the stress that teachers might have about personalized learning. Mm. That it's, you know, some of the misconceptions are that it's all about choice all the time and their own pace all the time. Yeah. And, and those things are just, just not true. Uh, no, they, it's about teaching the learners to make the choices. Right. And that is going to take time. Yeah. And they're not going to be perfect at it at first. So don't give up when it doesn't work the first time. Yeah. Uh, hopefully you will learn from it as the adult and make it better next time for the kids who yeah. will take a, sometimes take a little bit longer to make those correct choices yeah. and figure out what to do. Yeah. Choice is not something we usually offer in a normal school. No. Uh, it's, it's a little bit more advanced thinking at that point. Yeah. Uh, but uh, as since we had this podcast, it pays off in the end, obviously. I'm hoping. It does. <laughs> It really does. And it takes time. And, you know, what you're doing now as we do this in the uh, in the fall of a year will pay off in the spring of a year. Yes. Uh, and in the future as they go through uh, the learning. Well, that's hey, good questions. Those are some really, really good ones. Yeah. Uh, if you have questions for us, you can always put them on our parking lot at plearnmc.com or engage with us on Twitter and ask some questions. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to we'd love to answer them. Uh, we love talking about this stuff. We were talking before this podcast started and uh, we're like, okay, Courtney, we got four questions. We could easily do, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And <laughs> Matt, we could do an hour on each one of these. Easy. And it's true. It's true. There's there's a lot going into all of these questions that you can go right down a rabbit hole pretty quick, uh, talking about these things in depth and getting great ideas. Uh, just by engaging. So uh, please engage with us again at plearnmc.com or on Twitter at plearnmc. Excellent. Facebook too and Instagram. I don't know. We're everywhere. We are everywhere. We might as well just give you all our phone numbers at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Those will go out on Twitter. No. <laughs> never. <laughs> that would be, that'd be fun. That'd be a good time. All right. Uh, I think that wraps us up for this mailbag. And we'll have a future one and uh, keep going in this trimester. Yep. We'll talk next time.